So here's my question for the morning. How is your prayer life? Most uh, Christians that I ask that question of respond this way. Well, it's not what I would like it to be. That's usually the beginning words. Why is that? Why are we so weak in this particular area of our discipleship? Perhaps one of the reasons is that we have no earthly reason to pray. A, a carnal desire for knowledge could lead somebody to study the Bible. A desire to look good before others pushes us to many of our spiritual disciplines. But prayer, at least private prayer, prayer pleases no one but God. Is that enough? All agree that prayer is important. Almost everyone admits needing to pray more and more deeply. But what's the problem? Fact is, I, I, I want to be honest here. Fact is that many of us are bored by prayer. We don't like to pray. One reason we may not like it is because we aren't very good at it. I've had some brothers from our church over to my house recently helping me with home repairs. I always hate having to do home repairs. You know why? Because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and so I feel my weakness. I feel my insecurity. I feel, I feel my limitations. And, and I think we don't like prayer in part because we don't feel like we're very good at it. We don't know what we're doing. And in this respect, prayer is a lot like tennis. Anybody ever taken up tennis and then quit? Huh? You done that before? Yeah? All right. Uh, a lot of people uh, try, to, try to take up tennis, and they discover that tennis is not the easiest game in the world to get proficient at. Some beginners have a hard time getting the ball over the net or staying within the court. Uh, they're, they're no good at it. And, and they're bored by the game of tennis because they really aren't proficient at it. That's the way it was for me. I started playing tennis with my buddies around ninth grade. It was just a social thing to do. The game itself really wasn't much fun, but I remember the day that I was playing tennis with one of my friends, and it sort of changed for me. Uh, I found myself getting intense about the game. I was playing well enough that I could strategize, and, and I could get into the sport of it, and tennis became fun for me. Now, now fun may not be the word to use here, with reference to our prayer life, but I propose that when we are confident in prayer, it will become for us much more fulfilling. Now, sadly, some folks simply will not endure to get to that point. By God's grace, I believe that you can learn to love to pray. The messages today and next Sunday with Ben are designed to point you in the right direction, to prepare you for the roadblocks ahead, and propel you into a more effective pattern of personal prayer, which is the P of our PBJ missional focus. So we begin with a question again, why pray? Why pray? With all the other things that I could be doing, what about prayer makes it a priority? Well, here you go, three answers. Got a lot of subpoints today. Number one, three answers to this one. The first reason we pray is because it is our delightful duty. And so Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. And so here in the context of teaching us about spiritual warfare, Paul exhorts the believer to pray. And verse 19 is a very strong verse on prayer because of the repetition. All, all, all prayer, all times, all the saints Similarly, our memory verse for this month, which says what? Pray without ceasing. Yes, it's obvious that prayer is at the center 
of the spiritual life. Does that mean that you stay in prayer sort of 24-7 like a monk might do? No, it means you walk in an attitude of prayer, an attitude of communion with God, aware that you're living your life quorum Deo in the presence of God. So secondly, prayer is important because it is how we honor God, how we honor God. The most direct way I know to honor God is with our praises and our thanksgiving, which are offered in the context of prayer. It is to offer praise that you and I have been saved from our sin. That's why Jesus died, and that is, that is why we pray and why prayer is so vital. Besides honoring God with our praises, we honor God with our petitions. Even when we're asking God for stuff, we're honoring Him because we're bringing our concerns to Him. It expresses a humble dependence on, on the Lord. One of our church's core values, we have five, just five of them, and one of them is dependence on God in everything and resting in His care is what we do when we pray, even as we do His work. Third reason prayer is important is that by it, we affect positive change. <laughs> we affect positive change. God says, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. But with me, he says, you can do all things through prayer because prayer links us with God's power and God's power changes things. And the first thing that's going to be changed by your prayers is what? Or who? <laughs> it is you. It is you that will be changed by your praying. Do you want that? Then seek the Lord for that. God promised that those requests, if, if they are sincere, will be granted. Those requests for personal transformation and, and for growth. There are two things specifically named in the Bible that God promises that he will give us when we ask. One of them is wisdom. James 5, 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And, and the other is the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Holy Spirit, His fullness, His leading, His power comes to us when we pray. So what a, what a difference prayer makes, beginning in me. Prayer makes us more spiritually sensitive, more open to the movements of God in our soul. So you pray to affect yourself and prayer being communion with God, surely that will always change us. Secondly, you pray to affect change in others. Now, we all want other people to change, right? <laughs> Look around you, you probably see some people you'd like God to change. You want your boss to change, you want your spouse to change, you want your kids to change, your pastor to change, your parents to change. How do you foster change in other people? Well, you, you, you nag them. That's what I, no. no. <laughs> you nag God. You call out to God. Prayer's the best way I know. So Ephesians 6.18 tells us to pray for others, to pray for the saints. And in the same letter, Paul mentions his own prayers, verses 16 to 18 there, chapter 1. I don't cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. I pray the eyes of your hearts to be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints. And you see what God is, what Paul is doing here. He's just praying down spiritual treasures on these people. And so you can pray for those whom you love. You can pray for all the saints. You can pray for the impact of God's word. Prayer makes an enormous difference in what I do up here Sunday after Sunday. 
On one of his visits to continental Europe, the great 19th century London pastor Charles Spurgeon was asked by someone about the, what was the secret of his effective ministry of the word, and Spurgeon's response was short and simple. He said, my people, pray for me. When we meet together in glory, I expect we will all be amazed at how great a difference our prayers have made. I have a good friend who for many years was a missionary in Japan, and while I was in college, we were... Uh, we were close friends, and every time that we were together, we always prayed together, uh, and every time we prayed, we included in our prayers her parents, who were not Christians. In fact, they struck me as being very far from Christ, no church involvement, no interest in spiritual things, but all they had going for them was a daughter who prayed. And I remember hearing some time back that her parents had donated 60 acres of their land to a church to build a Christian school. My friend's dad not only came to Christ, he became an elder of our church. He kept his marriage together. His wife came to faith. Both his kids went into the ministry. Every time I think about them, I want to shout, thank you, God, that prayer changes people forever. Thirdly, prayer not only changes people, it changes circumstances. In Acts 12, Peter's prison chains fell off because God's people were praying. Thomas Watson wrote this, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Yeah, that, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. In Acts 16, an earthquake hit Philippi because of prayer. Jesus said you could move mountains with your prayers of faith, mountains of addiction, mountains of despair, mountains of sin, and mountains of pride. Prayer can affect change in your circumstances. So having seen the whys of prayer, let's move on to the other W's, the whens, the where's, the what's of the disciplines of prayer. Our next question is when pray. When to pray. For that, we have three answers. First answer is, anytime and every time. Again, our memory verse, pray without ceasing. Prayer, which is a communion with your God, it should be an element of everything that we do. You don't just pray, uh, you don't just pray in church. You don't just pray in your quiet times, but you pray as you drive, as you eat, as you work, as you play. You pray for the Steelers this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, whatever. This type of prayer comes from a habit or a state of mind that is constantly mindful of the presence of the Lord in your life. My mother did me a great service when she taught me to pray a little prayer. Uh, when uh, somebody did something that bugged me, irritated me, offended me, she taught me to pray a little prayer uh, sort of uh, re reactively, and that prayer was simply this, God bless him and open his eyes. That prayer served me well over the years. God bless him. God bless her. Open their eyes. That's a simple thing, but I've prayed that countless times. And of course, any interaction with our fellow humans, souls that will live forever, is an occasion to pray. Lord, please help that feeble old man. Please, Father, open the heart of that teenager. When Beth and I go to restaurants, we haven't done so much the last year and a half, but when we go to restaurants, Beth is in the habit of asking our waiter or waitress, saying, we're going to pray for our meal in just a moment. What can we pray about for you? You never know when a simple inquiry like that could lead to something very, very significant. So pray 
often, anytime. That's the when. The next answer to when, I got more answers to the when question, daily. Daily in your devotional times. Now, by devotional time, I refer to a special segment of the day set apart to give attention to God in His Word and in prayer. Mark 1.35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. Luke 5, verse 16, he would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. This is the one that you and I are to imitate. You wonder if Jesus needed to go away every morning to pray and be alone with the Father. Do we not need that same intimacy with our Lord? The flash prayer throughout the day, that's a great thing, but this devoted time, it's so very enriching. There is a discipline of daily prayer that you would be wise to begin or to maintain. There's this time of solitude with God when you bear your soul before the one who knows you perfectly. And this kind of prayer, this kind of daily prayer serves to check the wanderings of your soul. It's much harder to cherish sin in your heart when you're coming before God day after day, facing Him every day. It's much harder to drift away and grow cold when you get a heart check every morning. Yeah. There I go talking about the mornings again. For Jesus and for many of us, I think mornings are the best time for us to try to engage God in this way, to get along. Usually the first thing in the day or close to it. There are fewer distractions then for most of us. The phone isn't ringing at 6 a.m. If I wait till 7, Stacy may send me a text, but not, nothing until then. And then, uh, and then the kids aren't awake. I mean, some of you have kids awake at 6 a.m., sorry about that, but most of us don't. And so uh, the TV's not blaring. Once I get into the busyness of the day, I find it hard to slow my mind and my body down enough to meditate on eternity. So morning, it's best for me. Beth and I generally do this together at home or on a walk. David prayed in Psalm 5, verse 3. He said, uh, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. That's not a rule, not a rule, but a solid suggestion. Seek to make it daily and try the morning or whenever you can be most awake and focused. Third answer to our win question, at special times. Special times. Set aside special segments of a day or even a whole day for the purpose of extended prayer. Luke 6, 12 says that when Jesus was preparing to name the disciples, that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent what? <laughs> what did it say? The whole night in prayer. What do we in this day and age know of spending an entire night with God in prayer? Very, very little, I think. And, and we need it so very, very much, but it's challenging to make the time. Beth and I support a ministry, uh, a missionary who regularly tells us in his, in his newsletters about the next day on his schedule that he has planned to spend time alone, and he asks his supporters to be especially engaged in prayer for him when he goes off to be with God alone, which he regularly does. He blocks out an entire day for that. Can you make an extended day with your Lord? So those are my three answers to the when question. Anytime, daily, special times. Our next major point is the where of prayer. Where should I pray? And for this one, we have four answers. Answer number one is that you should pray wherever God is. Because if he's not there, not a good place to pray. Pray wherever God is. And I think you know 
that uh, that means you can pray anywhere. I can't think of a bad place to pray. I can think of bad places to be, but if you're going to be in those places, you probably ought to pray. Second answer to the queer question is to pray in solitude. Pray alone. This is what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 6 and verse 6, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. There's a freedom, there's a focus, there's an honesty you can have with God alone that nothing else provides. Third answer to the where question is in groups, and I especially think of the meetings of the church. Frequently in the book of Acts, we read about the early Christians coming together to pray. Acts 2.42 says they continually devoted themselves to prayer together. Now, I got to tell you, group prayer takes some work. It's easy when you're praying in a group to drift off mentally into never-never land, isn't it? Ever done that? You have to work at praying while others are speaking. And I suggest that if you're in a prayer meeting like that, you repeat in your own mind what the leader is saying. Add to what they're saying. Branch out on your own a little bit. The human mind thinks four times faster than the average person speaks. So you can do that. Some people like to affirm what they hear. Amen. That's what amen means. Yes, Lord, I agree with that. Or you say, yes, Lord. That can help. It's good to do something, to really actively pray in groups and to pray with focus. And by the way, when you pray in a small group, if you're going to lead out in prayer, don't, don't feel like you need to pray long stretches at a time. Probably best in group context to keep your prayers brief and on point. Some folks can do the long prayers. Most of us can't. As we launch into our PBJ disciplines over the next weeks, we're going to invite you into some group prayer context October 3, Sunday night, that's what, two weeks from today, and for the first Sunday night for the next seven months, we're going to have a Sunday evening prayer gathering at 6.30, somewhere in the facility, we haven't figured that out, but we're going to have a group prayer uh, for our PBJ concerns, so mark that on your calendar and join us for that. Andy Stites is leading a prayer class right now at Sunday school at 9 o'clock. Do you still have room, or are you running over with too many people? Just... (laughs) We can move you to a bigger room. But uh, join Andy at 9 o'clock for crying out to God together in prayer. And I have one last answer to the where question. Pray anywhere, pray alone, pray in groups, pray, fourthly, in your families. Not just at meals. Have regular and special times of prayer with the whole gang, the whole family. I've got a true story for you. I grew up on a farm with uh, a lot of cows, a lot of cows, around 80 or so cows. We had a few horses. Uh, have one dog and a, a variety, of course, of wild animals running around on our 80 acres. Among the wild ones, there were uh, a particular pair of hawks <laughs> that we would see flying together. Uh, and then there came a day when there was only one hawk. And we noticed that one hawk was missing. And the other one, at night, would wail. We heard the widow hawk wailing for weeks over the loss of his or her mate. I don't know which one it was. Um, Because of that, I took interest when years later I was working outside with a couple of uh, men, and uh, a couple of hawks flew by, and one of the guys uh, shared with us, he said, I don't know if y'all know this, but birds of prey like hawks tend to mate for life, which is unusual among birds, but birds of prey do that, and 
it hit me. I'm like, okay, well, that just goes to show you. The family that prays together stays together. Stays together. All right. Sorry about that. Make yours a praying family. That's the point. Make yours a praying family. Join with the children to talk about, to pray for the kids in their school, to pray for the kids on their team. Ask God to help you reach out and to bless others. There is power in a praying family for more than just staying together, but also having an impact. By the way, I got my PBJ bracelet here. We have these bracelets in the back. If you didn't get one last week, pick one up. Wear them. Remind yourself, oh, yeah, be in prayer. Finally, today we look at what to include in prayer. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. It stands for the elements of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It is praising God. Adoration is the first of those. (coughs) It is praising God for who He is and the perfections of His character. You can do this with your own words. You can borrow the words of Scripture or the words of a hymn. Dear friend, the book of Psalms was given to us to aid us in our prayers. Use it. Take a psalm like 103 or 111 and and pray through them. And when I say to pray through it, I mean to read a verse or two and then meditate on it, let it sink in, and then respond to it in prayer. Speak it to God and supplement the psalm with your own words and thoughts. So, for instance, Psalm 111 Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work. You read that and then then you praise him. You tell him how great he is and you talk about his works, what he's done in your life. Let's go on. His righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's given food to those who fear him. Praise God for all of that. Think about the blessings in your life. Be specific with those. It goes on, verse 5. He will remember His covenant forever. He's made known to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. So far, there is a mention of God's righteousness, of His love, His compassion, His power. Verse 7 mentions His justice. Then verse 9, read it with me. Holy and awesome is His name. Let the Psalms lead you in in worship and then to utilize hymns in that way as well. I pray through hymns like I pray through psalms. All human words fall short of God's glory, but most of us can come closer if we quote King David or Isaac Watts or Chris Tomlin. Our next word, a C word, is confession. As you reflect upon God's holiness, you must also reflect upon your own sin. Laying it out honestly before the Father, apologizing for it, determining in your heart to turn from it and do what is right. Best example in Scripture I know of of this is Psalm 51, where David, repenting of his adultery, said, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgression and my sin. It's ever before me against you. You only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Confession is far from being a grim task. It is close to the heart of gospel blessings. We don't run from God because of our sin. We run to Him when we are feeling our sin. We move toward Him for forgiveness and for restoration, for cleansing, rejoicing that at the throne of God there is a fountain for sin and uncleanness. There is grace 
and there is mercy with him. On to the T. The T of thanksgiving is closely linked to praise. It's thanksgiving, but it focuses more on what God has done than on who he is. We reflect upon his goodness, his goodness in redemption, his goodness in our lives, his answers to some of our prayers. And then there is the S of the acrostic A-C-T-S, which is for uh, supplication, not a word we use a lot, petition, request. This involves asking for God to do something for ourselves, for someone else. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So these are the elements of biblical prayer. A-C-T-S. Let's say it together. Do we have a slide for this one? No slide for this? Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. Supplication. One more time. Adoration. There it is. Confession. Thanksgiving. Supplication. Jeff went and found it for us. The order, the order there is not critical. You know? Sometimes you come to God and the first thing you say is, Help! That's okay. The order is not critical, although the normal pattern seems to be that we enter God's gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, and then later in your prayer you bring your request. So prayer is the first element of our PBJ initiative and strategy, especially we're asking you to awaken each new day with a prayer that God might give you sensitivity to how you can be a blessing to folks that you encounter. Got that? Lord, how can I be a blessing to the folks I encounter today at Giant Eagle, at the breakfast table, in my workplace, when I go to church? Can you make that a daily prayer? Daily prayer. Lord, give me eyes to see what I need to see. Give me your heart to care about needy sinners as you care about them. And then target some of those needy folks with your prayers that the kingdom of God would invade their souls, would heal their brokenness, would equip them for a life of purpose and meaning and joy through Christ. Hey, let's talk about that more next time, next Sunday morning uh, with Pastor Ben. For now, remember PBJ starts with prayer, dependence on the Lord to change us, to change others. We will pray with one another. We will pray by ourselves. We will call on the Lord with adoration for who He is, confessing our sin, thanking Him for His mercy, and crying out to Him for His mercy and grace to a needy world. So, when should we start this? <laughs> uh, how about right now? So, let's go to the Father in prayer. Oh, gracious Lord, what a privilege it is to be your sons and daughters to have access to the throne of grace through the mercy of our intercessor, Jesus. We would not waste that privilege, but call on you with regularity, with vigor, with depth of heart and sincerity. Lord, many of us need to begin by saying sorry that we haven't been there. You've been waiting for us to come, and we haven't been there. Forgive us, Lord. Give us insight as to what commitments we should make for our own lives, what and how and when we can add a daily time of prayer, special times of prayer, reminders to come to you in prayer throughout the day. <laughs> God, we pray that as we walk away from here, we would find new ways to be disciplined disciples, 
who make this matter of prayer something that we do and press on toward until and beyond that moment when we come to love it and enjoy it and are able to join in that song that says, Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.